0: This is the Evangelical Church of Bermuda's weekly sermon podcast. Thank you for joining us. Here is this week's sermon.
1: Today's scripture reading is Genesis chapters 18, verses 16 through chapters 19, verses 38. Then the men set out from there, and they looked down towards Sodom and Abraham went with them to set them on their way. The Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham? What am I about to do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him, for I have chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice, so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. Then the Lord said, Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and their sin is very grave, I will go down to see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me. And if not, I will know. So the men turned from there and went toward Sodom. But Abraham still stood before the Lord. Then Abraham drew near and said, Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are fifty righteous within the city. Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord, I who am but dust and ashes. Suppose five of the fifty righteous are lacking. Will you destroy the whole city for lack of five? And he said, I will not destroy it if I find forty-five there. Again he spoke to him and said, Suppose forty are found there. He answered, For the sake of forty, I will not do it. Then he said, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak. Suppose thirty are found there. But before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both young and old, all the people to the last man surrounded the house. And they called to Lot, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them. Lot went out to the men at the entrance, shut the door after him and said, I beg you, my brothers, do not act so wickedly. Behold, I have two daughters who have not known any man. Let me bring them out to you and do to them as you please. Only do nothing to these men for they have come under the shelter of my roof But they said stand back and they said this fellow came to sojourn and he has become the judge Now we will deal worse with you than with them Then they pressed hard against the man lot and drew near to break the door down But the men reached out their hands and brought lot into the house with them and shut the door And they struck with blindness the men who were at the entrance of the house, both small and great, so that they wore themselves out, groping for the door. Then the men said to to Lot, Have you anyone else here, son-in-laws, sons, daughters, or anyone you have in the city? Bring them out of the place, for we are about to destroy this place, because the outcry against this people has become great before the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and said to his son-in-laws, who were to marry his daughters, get, sorry, up, get out of this place for the Lord is about to destroy the city. But he seemed to his son-in-laws to be jesting. As morning dawned, the angel urged Lot saying, up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. But he lingered. So the men seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand, the Lord being merciful to him, and they brought him out and set him outside the city. He said to him, Behold, I grant you this favor also, that I will not overthrow the city of which you have spoken. Escape there quickly, for I can do nothing till you arrive there. Therefore, the name of the city was called Zor. The sun had risen on the earth when Lot came to Zor. Then the Lord rained on Solomon and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. But Lot's wife... Behind him, looked back, and she became a pillar of salt. And Abraham went early in the morning to the place where he had stood before the Lord, and he looked down towards Sodom and Gomorrah, and towards all the land of the valley, and he looked, and behold, the smoke of the land went up like the smoke of a furnace. So it was that when God destroyed the cities of the valley, God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had lived. Now Lot went up out of Zor and lived in the hills with his two daughters, for he was afraid to live in Zor. So he lived in a cave with his two daughters. And the firstborn said to the younger, Our father is old, and there is not a man on earth to come in to us after the manner of all the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him, that we may preserve offspring from our father. So they made their father drink wine that night, and the firstborn went in and lay with her father. He did not know when she lay down or when she arose. The next day the firstborn said to the younger behold i lay last night with my father let us make him drink wine tonight also then you go in and lie with him that we may preserve offspring from our father so they made their father drink wine that night also and the younger rose and lay with him and he did not know when she lay down or when she arose thus both the daughters of lot became pregnant by their father the firstborn bore a son and called his name moab he is a father of the Moabites to this day The younger also bore a son and called his name Ben-Ami. He is the father of the Ammonites to this day. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this beautiful day that you've given us, that we can come and gather on the field and worship you. Um, I thank you for the word, that we can uh, freely proclaim it um, out in public, Lord. I thank you for the freedoms that we enjoy. I pray, Lord, for those who are not able to be here with us this day. You know their needs and I pray that you will meet them. Lord, I thank you for Pastor Paul as he brings us your word. May you speak through him to us, and may may we be receptive to it. It is in your name we pray. Amen.
0: Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much, Josh, for reading that. And I I do assure you that the, the scripture passages will not get longer and longer. As, as we move along, okay? But uh, I, but again, I'm not going to preach through this verse by verse, so I felt it's important that we sort of look at the whole thing together, one read-through, so you can get the whole idea. And before I really start, I just, I just want to say, you know, some of you might be thinking, come on, Sodom and Gomorrah, like, are, are we really going to go there this morning? You know, isn't this sort of the old God, the, the Old Testament judgment God? And... Uh, and the answer is no. We, we see a lot of mercy and grace within this passage. I mean, Abraham pleads with God to, to, you know, if there's just 10 righteous within the city, will you spare the city, the whole city for the 10 righteous? And God says, yes. Yes, I'll do that. I'll, I'll spare the whole city if just 10 righteous are there. And so God is a merciful God, but God is also a God of judgment as well. And so we have to take that into account. And don't think too quickly that you know just the, the New Testament is just all full of love and grace. All right, we see we see judgment there, and even more so, in the fact that on the cross, Jesus Christ bore the judgment of your sin. Right, judgment was poured out upon him as he as he hung on the cross and suffered, and then died for us. And so let's let's uh, let's. Let's remember not to categorize God, you know, in in different ways in regard to whatever testament we're looking at. But let's this morning turn to look at Lot, Abraham's nephew. Uh, He's he's the one who, uh, you remember, he took from Haran with him, and they separated because of their wealth. they they just with all the livestock they had they just you know they had quarrels with their with their servants uh, in regard to pasture land and so so lot and abraham separate lot chooses to live outside of sodom because it looked really pleasing he looked in that direction and it it, it looked really good He, he surveyed the land back in in verse or chapter 13 and he and as he was surveying the land, where should I go? He, his eyes stopped when he looked on the Dead Sea Valley. And he thought it looked like the garden of the Lord. And that's, a, that's a reference to Eden, to paradise. The paradise that God created for the first humans to dwell in. We're told that Lot moved his tent as far as the city of Sodom. And so let, let me also remind you that Sodom, Sodom was sacked by four kings, four powerful kings of the east. And, and Abraham had to, with his men, and, and he rounded up some of his Canaanite buddies and made a posse. And they went after uh, these kings in order to rescue Lot. And he chased them down, defeated them miraculously, and rescued Lot and the people of Sodom that were taken as well. Lot doesn't rejoin Abraham, though. Instead, Lot moves back to where he was taken. He was living outside of Sodom before, but now he's, he lives right in the city. And something bad is gonna to happen to Sodom again, something much worse than what those four kings did. It's, it's clear that, that Lot saw Sodom, and that well-watered valley, as paradise. And that's why he moves back there, after, even after his frightening abduction. But when, when you create your own Eden, apart from God, it's only a matter of time before it burns. But this is what we tend to do. We tend to build our own Edens to give us the joy and security that we long for. These false Edens may satisfy us for a little while, but their promises are are never kept, unlike God's promises. And so we're going to look at Lot as, as a case study this morning of. What happens when we build our own Eden? And I have a few questions that we'll use as an outline for this case study that will help us to see if we're doing the same thing in our life. The questions are actually found on your half sheet if, if you turn it over and look at those questions. They're, they're the questions in bold font. But I'll, I'll read them to you. Here's the questions. How does God look at Lot's Eden. How did Lot get into his Eden? What happens to Lot in his own Eden? Where does Lot end up when his Eden burns? And what could Lot have done to prevent or remedy this? All right, so let's, let's look at that first question. How does God look at Lot's Eden? So Abraham, in the beginning of our, our scripture passage this morning, is interceding with God on behalf of Lot and the city of Sodom. Abraham asked God to spare the city if 10 righteous people can be found there. Now that term, righteous people, does not necessarily mean people that do what is right or good all the time it can also refer to people who are trusting in God and his promises. And that is how Abraham received his righteousness from God, by believing or trusting in God and his promises to him. That's that's what our sermon scripture memory passage is, right? That, that verse, Genesis 15, 6. And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness well it must also be true that lot believed the promises of God as well because he messes up doesn't do what is right and we see that in this passage but the Bible calls him righteous in 2nd Peter chapter 2 right, you, can, you can look that up later if you'd like so, so here's the thing, God looks at our attempts to build our own Eden as his mission to deliver us out of it. Most people think in this regard that God does this because he's some kind of a cosmic killjoy. Doesn't want us to have any fun or enjoy life. Perhaps you 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 know some people who think that about Christians. It just yeah, they they kind of they get, they get cut off at the knees. They can't do anything great. The truth is that that God is all about our joy though. And when he sees his children building building their own Eden. He knows we are settling for a distant second best when it comes to happiness. The Lord has, has diminished in Lot's life in contrast to Abraham. Abraham is, is in a tent out in the hills, and Lot has a, has a house in the city but we don't read of any discontentment with Abraham. Lot has the more comfortable setup, but is not content. And we know this again from the apostle Peter, because he tells us that that Lot's righteous soul was tormented as he lived among a people that did not know God. Right, the, the, more, the more swanky setup is not necessarily the path to contentment. And, and that's important to remember as we live life. Our, our pursuit should not be our contentment, but God. When we pursue God, we will end up with contentment every time. So let's consider the second question. How did God get into his Eden? We've already seen that that Lot made the initial decision to move into this area because he was following his his senses. And and I don't mean his being smarts, right? He, He liked what he saw, right? His sense of vision. He liked what he saw, so he moved in that direction. And, and there's nothing wrong with what Lot saw. It was a well-watered plain, and, and it seemed to be a great spot to manage livestock, livestock to, to set up shop. But he fails to consult the Lord on the matter, and he moves to the fringes, maybe even the outside of the Promised Land. The reality is we are drawn to what looks best to us in the moment. It, it may look more beautiful or easier or happier, happier place, but looks can be deceiving, right? And here's the next part of how Lot got into his Eden. First, he lived outside the city. Then he moved into the city. And now we see that in verse one of chapter 19, Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. The gate of the city was a place of business and deliberation. It seems that Lot is now a prominent man in the city, well-established. to put it in modern terms, He's, it looks like he holds political office now. You see, we don't build our own Garden of Eden overnight. We build it gradually, bit by bit. We know the promises of God, but, but we, are, we slowly bank on our own ways to build contentment in our lives. That's how it happens. Taking the first step away from God may not seem like a big deal, but soon enough, just like in the pool, you end up in the deep end. The third question in our case study is, what happens to Lot in his own Eden? And we definitely see a lot here, no pun intended. Angels come, appearing as men, and and meet Lot at the city gate. Lot welcomes them. He offers them the same type of hospitality that Abraham offered them in chapter 18. The angels refuse and insist on sleeping in the city square. And Lot will not have it. He presses them strongly to stay with him. I'm pretty sure Lot knows what goes on in the streets at night in Sodom. And he does not want these men to experience it. You know, I'm going over this because I want you to see why Lot's righteous soul was tormented as he lived where he lived. The men end up staying at Lot's home and and then look what happens. Chapter 19, verses 4 and 5. But before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both young and old, all the people to the last man surrounded the house. And they called to Lot, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them to us that we may know them. This is a horrible scene Lot goes out to try to defuse the situation, right? And just so you know, it's not, the men just wanna get to know them, okay? This is something much worse. But this is Lot's solution to defuse the problem in the next couple verses, verses seven and eight. I beg you, my brothers, do not act so wickedly. Behold, I have two daughters who have not known any man Let me bring them out to you, and do to them as you please. Only do nothing to these men, for they have come under the shelter of my roof. Lot's solution is to sacrifice his own daughters to be violated. When you create your own Eden, you will always have to compromise in some way as a Christian. You see, Lot is bound by the duty of hospitality. We, we, we don't understand that this level of hospitality in, in our society. This, this was a highly regarded practice in this time and culture, but he is, he is sacrificing his duty as a father to protect his daughters in order to maintain this other, this other um, practice or duty of hospitality. And I think Lot knows the importance of these two men as well. Your own Eden will always lead you toward impossible situations as a Christian, like between a rock and a hard place. That's where compromise leads you, to impossible situations. Thankfully, when we get ourselves into these impossible situations, God can get us out. The mob gets violent, charges the house, but Lot is snatched inside by the, by the angels. And then the angels strike the mob with blindness. And and just to show you how bad it is there in Sodom, we're we're told that in their blindness, the mob continued to grope for the door until they wore themselves out. I mean, not even this intermediate act of judgment deters them or phases them in any way to perhaps say, oh, this probably isn't a good idea. The angels warn Lot to get his family out of Sodom as judgment is coming. So Lot has two future son-in-laws, and he warns them about this, but they think he's joking. That leads me to believe that I don't think Lot talked about the Lord very much to the people in Sodom or to his own family. The the Lord, again, is is just diminished in his life. Morning comes, and and the angels again urge Lot to leave, and, and listen to the severity of their message in verse 15. As morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, Up, take your wife and your two daughters, who are here, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. I mean, it sounds... That sounds serious, right? The the right action is needed now. But look what happens in verse 16. But he lingered. So the men seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand, the Lord being merciful to him. And they brought him out and set him outside the city. Lot lingers. It seems he can't bear to leave his Garden of Eden. All his wealth is there. His daughter's future husbands are there. His wife is most likely from Sodom. He feels stuck in the Eden he created, even though he knows it's about to come crashing down. He has, he has built his own jail and thrown away the key. What, what a warning to us of the danger of trying to build our own Eden. Maybe you find yourself there right now. You're, you're stuck there. God isn't really a big part of your life right now, you're, and you're stuck in the Eden you created, and you don't want to get out. You know you need to, but you don't want to. Let me encourage you that the Lord shows mercy to us when we get into these self-made jails, just like he did here to Lot. The angels took Lot, his wife, his two daughters, by the hand and led them out of Sodom. God could do that for you too. Question number four is where does Lot end up when his Eden burns? After Lot and company is brought outside of Sodom, he is given instructions to head straight for the hills without stopping, without looking back. And here's what Lot says, verses 18 to 20. And Lot said to them, Oh, no, my lords. Behold, your servant has found favor in your sight, and you have shown me great kindness in saving my life, but I cannot escape to the hills, lest the disaster overtake me and I die. Behold, the city is—Behold, this city is near enough to flee to, and it's a little one. Let me escape there. Is it not a little one? and my life will be saved. Lot pleads with the angels to spare a little city in the valley so that he can take refuge in it as he does not want to go up into the hills where he's been instructed to go. Right? You, you, can take, you can take Lot out of the city, but you can't take the city out of Lot. It's just a little one. Let me go there. Lot is shown though more mercy here and granted this favor and he flees into this little city of of Zoar. Lot's wife is not so fortunate as she lingers too far behind Lot, longing for the city she loved and she perishes. Lot has lost his wealth, his home, his daughter's, or or his daughter's future, I should say, right, In, in regard to their husbands, and his wife. It's interesting. We're told that Abraham went up early that morning, the morning that Lot was running out of Sodom, and he looked down toward Sodom and saw the smoke rising. Abraham is up in the hills, the very hills that the angels instructed Lot to run into. I believe the Lord had Abraham there that morning to welcome Lot back. Are are you familiar with the parable of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15? It's it's quite a well-known passage. The younger son takes his inheritance and leaves the father to live it up in a faraway country, a country that looks a lot better than where he's from. And the son squanders everything. He hits rock bottom and finally goes back to the father, reluctantly, who, to his surprise, welcomes him back joyfully. Lot is like the anti-prodigal. He's hit rock bottom, and instead of running to the hills back to his uncle Abraham, where the blessing of God is found, he refuses to go and asks for another city. He asks for another Eden. Lot, Lot doesn't end up staying there, though, in Zoar. He eventually moves out because we're told he's afraid to live there. Maybe he thinks judgment's gonna happen again. So he goes into the surrounding hills where he finds a cave to live with his daughters. His, his quest for contentment has, has ended. In, in paranoia. You know, some terrible stuff happens in this cave that we don't have time to get into, but it's, it's a sad ending as, Lot, as, as Lot's desire to create his own Eden ends with him living in a cave, in a tomb. So let's consider that last question. What could Lot have done to prevent or remedy this? It's scary that, that this is where the righteous can end up. How do we guard against it? I've got three things. First, Fix your eyes not on what you think is best, but on Jesus. Fix your eyes not on what you think is best, but on Jesus. Hebrews 12 tells us that this life is like a long distance race. And if we're going to run it well, we need to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. The idea here is that Jesus endured the cross for you to give you access to the real Eden. So keep your eyes on the prize. Don't settle for a distant second best. Secondly, don't trust your senses alone. All right, that's, all those words are important. Don't trust your senses alone. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. You see, God gave us our senses, but we are imperfect, and we don't always see things clearly or as they really are. We need to allow the Lord to have the last word. And further, don't go it alone. You have a church to live life with where you can share your burdens and receive prayer and counsel we have we have something else we can lean on besides our own understanding thirdly and lastly run back to your intercessor run back to your intercessor abraham was acting much like Jesus acts for those who are his disciples, those who put their faith and their trust in him. He intercedes before God, the Father, for us. See, when we are creating these false Edens, which we all do, our Lord is praying for us. He's interceding for us on our behalf. And so we can always run back to him. He is waiting there just like Abraham was for Lot up in the hills. Many times we don't feel worthy to run back to him because of what we've done, because of what we've created. But the cross reminds us that we are his joy that was purchased with his blood. He'll welcome you back every time. We need to run back to Jesus and not look back because that is where the blessing is found with the blessed one. I hope that was helpful today. Let's pray. Our Father, what a sobering account of the life of a righteous soul gone astray. Father, I think we can often be proud in thinking, well, we we could never go that low. We could never go that far as far as Lot went. But Father, help us not to speak too quickly. Help us instead to, to search ourselves, to ask you to search our hearts. That we, can, that we may see if we are creating our own Garden of Eden that is void of you. It may look really great, it may seem really great, but it will eventually burn. Help us instead to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, the one in whom in which we stand we will not sink. And when the fires of testing come, we will only experience refinement and not destruction. So help us, we pray. In Jesus' name I ask. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information, check out our website at ecb.bm. Join us again next week for our next podcast.